welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Ron. And I'm Nick. And this is our review of Paranormal Activity 4, starring Catherine Newton, Matt Shively, Aiden Lovekamp, Brady Allen, and Katie Featherston. Directed by Henry Juiced and Ariel Shulman, released in 2012 on a budget of $5 million, grossed over $140 million at the box office. Now, you know, we get Juiced and Shulman back, uh, returning directors this time. I mean, that's unique in this era. What did that hit you guys like? Because they, they totally had to change the aesthetic this time around. It hit me like a feather, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> like a feather stun? So, yeah, but... to me, it's just like, you know, I mean, these the first three movies have had pretty much the same aesthetic. I don't really think, you know, we can talk about the story differences and special effects. But as far as actually like the direction goes, I think it's all been pretty, uh, pretty equal down the line. I don't think like one's been like head and shoulders better when it comes to direction. So I didn't even know that this was the same guy. I figured this is like kind of like one of those things like uh, – Kind of like Halloween, how that went through. It was like there was a director, and then like also like the DP is going to be the director, and probably like when we get to like Paranormal Activity, like part thirty-four, it's going to be like the uh, key grip guy is going to be the director. <laughs> this is this is more like Saw, where they promote up from within. Though, though Justin Shulman yeah. did not come out of the the bend, but we should say Orin Pelly pulled them up yeah, because of Catfish. We talked about that last time, and so they get yeah, to come which, back. Uh, for which this I went in. Uh, I've never seen the movie Catfish, but actually we've got done talking about that. I watched the trailer for that movie. Talk about a deceptive trailer for that movie. I was, uh, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, this is not a horror movie. I'm like, it's a no way. And then I watched the movie and I was like, man, I would have been pissed if I would have went to the theater and saw that and would have expected like what they were trying to promote. But that's neither here nor there right now. So another discussion for another day for sure. So, well, Ron, what uh, what about you on, on Paranormal Activity Four here, man? You know, this one comes out and they're gonna they're gonna go back to modern times, right? Or at least back to the present because where else is there left to go? I, I mean, you're right. There there really is nowhere else to go, and it seems like by going back to uh, the modern era, they've kind of painted themselves into a corner where you're going to have to limit your amount of Katie because she's still technically on the run from the police after, you know, murdering Mika and then murdering her in-laws slash sister's family. Yeah, including her sister, right? And absconding with uh, the child. So, uh, yeah, we we don't know where their whereabouts are. That's the the kick. So Now, Nick, you had told me you had a, a subtitle for this movie, even though it doesn't uh, have one. They hadn't got into subtitles yet. But what was your subtitle for Paranormal Activity 4? Uh, basically, it's going to be Paranormal Activity 4, The Conceit Ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we always talk, you know, the first three, especially with me being the uh, negative Nancy on the series thus far, is that you got to give it the conceit of the whole found footage aspect. But this one goes above and beyond with all the conceits that we have to give this movie. I just sat through the entire time just like, really? Really? <laughs> really? You know, it's this. I mean, we'll get into it as we go into the movie, but yeah, this was a movie, again, um, watched the first movie straight through. Second one took me a couple times just because I was watching it late at night, was falling asleep, so it's not really much on that movie. Third one, I got through, I think it took me two times to get through it. This one took me five times to get through, guys. Wow. Wow. Five times. So five. I'm not going to let that judge you know, on anything about <laughs> it. Eh. I'd watch, it took me three times to watch a Shawshank Redemption the first time I saw it. So, and I, I love that movie. So, I'm not going to say that <laughs> makes it bad or good. I'm just going to say, though, it took me five times to get through this. All right, actually, well. I just finished it up this afternoon. So. <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? I think that's a good jumping off point to get into the plot summary because I do have a lot to say about this one as well. And I think it should be an interesting discussion. So, Ron, tell us what Paranormal Activity 4 is all about. It has been five years since Katie murdered her sister and disappeared with her infant nephew Hunter in tow. Now, a new family is about to fall prey to nighttime terrors. A mysterious accident next door leads to teenage Alex and her family becoming the temporary guardians of Robbie, played by young Brady Allen, a very creepy neighbor boy. Alex and her best friend Ben monitor cameras installed throughout the home. 
to capture the sinister events that unfold after Robbie's arrival. It's finally revealed that Wyatt, her adopted little brother, is actually Hunter, and Katie, who moved in across the street, is trying to get him back while Robbie, or whatever entity Robbie is, prepares Wyatt to sacrifice as part of the transformation. Ben is killed, Alex's parents are killed, and she flees across the street where she finds a large coven of witches coming for her. She tries to get Wyatt slash Hunter to come with, but Katie intervenes and the camera goes dead. Also, presumably, Alex goes dead. You know, um, I, I uh, hate it when I go across the street to meet the neighbors and they're a coven of witches. You know, a lot to talk about here in this one for sure. And, and we're going to get into the discussion. I want to kind of run through our characters, though, because we, we do get a new set here. I mean, Katie gets the most screen time I guess she's had since... A part two. I, most of that was done in flashbacks. And think, well, I guess that whole thing was a side sequel like we talked about. But she gets a good bit of screen time in this one again. And is certainly a, a part of the plot because they talk about her a lot. But I want to talk about the, the teenagers that are really the center of this whole thing. Alex, Catherine Newton. Now, I don't know this girl from anything. I understand she was on a soap opera and, you know, did some other TV and movies and things. And then this was kind of her breakout thing. I thought she was a Disney kid, but turns out that she's not. So, uh, I don't know. I kind of liked her, though. I thought she had a... A neat presence and came off like a an average fifteen year old would. A lot of times in a movie like this, the best you can hope for is that your teenage lead actress or whatever doesn't actively detract from your film. True. In this case, I think uh, Catherine Newton actually uh, was a good addition to the film, and I think she, uh, you know, did well with the part she had. And uh, it takes a lot of you know charisma to be able to just appear on a screen with your face, basically all that's covering the whole theater. And yeah, she's really able to pull it off. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? That, well, I will get into the aesthetic of this in a second. I want to, I want to run through the characters first. Let me hold my thoughts on that. But uh, Nick, what did you think of uh, young Alex here? Alex, Alex, yeah, Alex, as I was referring to, is Beth from The Walking Dead. I don't know. She had that thing, that look for me. I'm going to get into a lot of these. Uh, uh, doppelgangers here. Yeah, she was okay. I mean, she was a believable, you know, teenage girl. And I don't know, guys. I mean, you guys are acting like, you know, because she's got to be center frame and that's got to be kind of a hard, you know, way to like, you know, present yourself on screen. Dude, I mean, that's all kids do nowadays. Is everybody's on FaceTime. Everybody's doing the selfie, the selfie stick. That's second nature. So I don't really think it was probably that big of a sleep and bound for her to be like, you know, center screen. I mean, she's a cute girl. I'm sure she does that all the time, but um, <laughs> take that for what it's worth. But, what? but uh, that's, that's actually yeah. something I want to get into uh, when we discuss the film's aesthetic. Yes, yes. I have thoughts about that as well. That's a good point. Well, let's talk about the guy she's FaceTiming with most of the time. Good old Ben here. And I really like this guy. He He cracked me up. I thought he had good comic timing he was the great fool for being the i mean you talk about king of the friend zone and desperately trying to get out of it and no chance you know but uh i, I thought he was neat and and again the thing that has made these movies work the ones that have worked more for me than some of the others is the chemistry between the central couple and i thought these two had as good a chemistry as any couple we've had in these films yeah, I thought the, thought it was believable for you know a little young romance. Um, he really reminded me of Badger from Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, I think that's where it seemed like that's where they got the uh, you know the character from in a way. He's got the hat on, you know, he's kind of chubby face, and he's just kind of like. Uh, you know, he's, he's just kind of a dork. And stuff. Well, at least he's not dropping all that, you know, street slang that like, like Badger would do. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, not not yet. He's just got to get yeah. a couple of years of nothing to him and he'll be just there with him. So. <laughs> yeah, well, Katie saved him. So anyway. <laughs> She she really turned she she turned his head around as far as drug use goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was that was awesome. <laughs> Go ahead, Ron. You got thoughts on on Badger slash Ben? Yeah, I completely don't get the Breaking Bad references because I've never seen it. Oh, but I know, I know. But I will say I do like this kid. Well, we found the one person in the world, so <laughs> that's me, man. Hmm. Yeah, I really like this kid, uh, Matt Shively. I really, I was really, uh, I won't say I was into their relationship, but I really 
like their relationship felt like the most natural like pairing since like Katie and Mika. And I think we've all been there. I think we've all been the dumb friend zone kid. And I think we can all empathize with Ben uh, at least oh. a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I thought again, th- these two had a heck of a task to carry this movie, you know, and they did a good job with it for what's, what's there in front of them. You know, um, I, I do want to talk about the, the kid, the, the younger kids in this, uh, real quick though. Wyatt slash Hunter, Aiden Lovecamp. Um, not as annoying as Jake Lloyd, but right on the border for me. Like I, I really didn't dig him that much. I, I, am I in the minority here on that? Because I, no. I didn't like him. He was typical little kid actor. I just, I got to laugh because I have a dog named Wyatt. So I'm watching <laughs> this movie, and every time they're saying Wyatt, like I got my yellow lab, and he's kind of sitting up, just kind of like looking at the screen, like doing the head tilt. <laughs> and then what's even funnier than that, though, is my wife's old dog was named Hunter. So it's just kind of oh, wow. Kind of, Man, kind of, you are lining up to be like. Toby and Bagul no, are no, coming to your they, house. You want to take it a step further? Is my sister-in-law? Her dog's name is Toby. I'm I'm, I'm not making D- this up. Dude, wow. wow, you are in the trifecta of deputy so and so has got words for you. Are so, you trying yeah. to be in Paranormal Activity Five? Because I think it's working. I think you might be the ghost dimension, Nick. That's you haven't told us this. That's what we'll find out. So. Well, I always kind of imagine that, that especially at the end of this movie with the whole bunch of the women coming at me. I'm like, that looks like all my ex-girlfriends. Coming at me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, OK, but you you didn't care for him either, though, as, as you said, typical kid actor. What do you mean? Uh, just he's there. I'm not going to sit there and say he's bad. I mean, how old was this kid? Five years old. I mean, Maybe. anytime you cast a kid that young, I mean, you're going to get what you get out of him. I mean, very rarely ever going to get like a you know, a Carol Ann or something like that. I mean, those are so rare to get or get like a, with a girl from a, a Game of Thrones uh, when she was in the first season. Uh, what's her Aria? name? Aria. Aria. What's her name? Yeah. yeah. I mean, those kids are very rare to get. He was what I call serviceable. He didn't really detract from the movie as much as other things, but I'm not going to say he was great. I'm not going to say he was bad. He was just, he was there. I will say of the two uh, little kids, I did like Robbie a lot more than Wyatt. Uh, yeah. As far as as far as Brady Allen's acting going, uh, Wyatt um, Aiden Lovecamp was you know an obnoxious little kid. Um, you know, you guys have covered that pretty well. I thought I thought Alex and him had a had good chemistry on it. Like she seemed to really care for him, which is. That's definitely something more the teenage girl would do. The teenage boy would have nothing to do with the younger brother. Teenage girls, like, that, I think that's sort of like the grown-up doll thing for them in a lot of ways. You know, to have yeah, a brother I, that much younger than them, so. And I think that's kind of the reason they did that, because if they were closer in age, you wouldn't have that relationship where it's more of a mentoring role and caring. And I actually, I kind of, I like those scenes, especially when they're at the park and, you know, the soccer game. But yeah, what I got to bring up though, is like when you saw this like little boy in the background, it was like, you knew that he like right away, just in the first scene, you see this like little boy watching a soccer game. You're like, yeah, that's, he's going to be the crust of this whole thing. Well, see, I didn't. I, the first time I saw this, honestly, I thought creepy old Robbie was it. And why it was some other linchpin in this. And let's go ahead and talk about creepy little Robbie. That kid was awesome. I mean, talk about yeah. being weird. And I, he must've known what he was in because he really played it. Well, I, I actually would like to see the behind the scenes on this. Cause I bet you that they like gave that kid some like, Adderall or something like that to let's like totally like get him in that state because he just seemed like he was drugged a lot of the time and and that's who I was talking about yeah. was Robbie was when mm-hmm. you first see him you kind of know that he's going to be the uh, the bad seed of this whole thing but from like a character and movie standpoint and this is maybe in the beginning of the movie why I didn't take the Alex and her boyfriend was they kept on making fun of this little kid and I was kind of like yeah you guys are being dicks he's just a little boy and like well, you know, like uh, her boyfriend, uh, he just keeps on like making fun of him over and over again. In the beginning, I was kind of like, I hope you get killed by him. I hope he kind of goes all uh, pet cemetery and cuts your Achilles. Well, let me ask you both this: What the hell is Robbie? Is he a real person or is he just the form of something else? I mean, at some point, he disappears from this film, so I I don't know what he is. Is he Toby? That's I, no, I I kind of get that Toby is trying to. 
uh, Toby is like the muscle enforcer of the demon world here, I think. I, Ron, tell me, because I've seen this movie four or five times, and I still don't know who Robbie is. Toby's trying to take over Wyatt. Okay. And I think Robbie is one of the little dead kids from Sinister. Yeah, he kind of comes off like that, but I don't think he's actually human. I think he's spirit guided. Because, see, when we meet him, it's in the context of his mother got sick and had to go to the hospital. And his mother, of course, masquerading as Katie, right, who's moved in across the street. But we learned learn later that that's, yeah, that's, that's a, a ruse just so she can get Wyatt slash Hunter back. So that's why I was like, was Robbie just a tool for her to use until she could get him back or what? I think yeah, Robbie is another, uh, like, a, is a successfully possessed kid. Okay. And he's I trying think. to prepare Hunter Wyatt for this? Right. That's why he keeps drawing those arcane symbols on him and, uh, you know. Well, he even says that whole thing about, you know, when Ben, like, tell me about your imaginary friend. He's like, he does not like you. And, and Ben's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Everybody likes me. He's like, well, you're going to find out. And that was like his best line in the whole film. I was like, you'll find out. And I was like, well, that's kind of messed up. You know, yeah. what, what the hell are you talking about, kids? So, uh, yeah, I, it was that, that yeah. totally felt like Poltergeist when there's he's talking about like this invisible entity because and that's right out of Poltergeist the way she's always talking about the invisible you know TV people and everything right but uh yeah I just I, I don't understand what he was and I still don't understand like they adopted Hunter or Wyatt right why like she kidnapped them and then put them up for that, adoption I, I, I'm not follow, I'm not following what happened there. Yeah, I'm chain conf- of events. I'm confused too, and and I'm I'm leaning on you guys to tell me what it is. That I guess Ron, we're leaning on you to tell us how did all this go down? How did she lose him and then go to get him back? Well, or are we going to um, be told this in part five? Yeah, no. Uh, spo- spoiler bet, alert: just, You're not going to be told it in marked ones. I'll tell you that right now. So. Right. I, I'm just going to make some shit up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Here's my ridiculous the, theory. All right. So <laughs> Katie kidnaps this baby. Right. Does Katie know how to take care of a baby? No. Does Toby know how to take care of a baby without like smashing it? <laughs> no. She gets this baby, you know, she realizes, Hey, I've got to clean this thing's poop. I've got to feed it. I can't just be out in the desert in my wife beater, uh, <laughs> you know, eating rocks or whatever she's doing. So she takes the kid and she dumps him in one of those like safe place boxes, like at the fire station. And then she just follows him through the system until he gets adopted by, you know, this nice rich white family. And yet this kid who's been known to been disappeared and she drops him off and no one puts two and two together, you know, like missing kid on the bulk of a milk carton and no one like, yeah, we found a kid a couple weeks later that matches the exact same description as the boy that got abducted. Well, see, that's the thing. This is in Colorado, right? Like, we, we there's a line for that. So that, that happened in California. I could actually see crossing enough state lines to where that would have have changed things like there wouldn't be you know interdepartmental yeah but there's gotta there's there's gotta be some type of chain of like procedure where you find a kid and you're gonna check you know the missing kid database or something it's not like we've got them all microchipped i mean we don't know where everybody is all the time it wasn't like you know some kid just like disappeared you know in like you know freaking alabama (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> something you know, where, yeah he's just gone and everybody's just like eh, it happened a whole family gets killed and it's yeah. right after another guy gets killed and the kids abducted <laughs> and they're related and to is, each other and yeah, nobody bothers related. to put that together <laughs> sorry this is on nancy grace this is on good morning america like everybody knows <laughs> nancy grace has pinned this on the the other neighbors like twice oh yeah oh yeah so. bombshell bombshell <laughs> missing kid found in colorado uh, firehouse you know it'd be i again this is one of the conceits that we one of one one conceit of many that we have to get in this movie, and that was this one thing I was kind of like, I don't know, I, I just I thought at first like Abby was going to be Hunter, and I thought that would have made like more sense that you know she's like raising this kid and stuff because Katie looks like Katie, and right. she's obviously still like she's not like, you know, I guess like Jungle Girl at this point or something like she looks pretty <laughs> well kept. She's well kept up, you know what I mean? She's Apparently, demon, demon possession does wonders for your skin. Yeah, so, I mean, okay. she looks better than she did in the first movie. So she's been going, getting manicures, getting pedicures, getting facials, getting her hair cut. So, 
I don't know. It's just, again, another conceit that it's like she's just kind of walking around nonchalantly and no one recognizes her. I, I, yeah, I guess, Ron, you did a good job there of trying to explain it. I don't, I, I'm not downing any of that. I'm just, I, I'm, I was confused at the, at all the things this movie bothers to go ahead and explain in its final act, but also all the things that Lee's unexplained. And part of me is like, are they going to try to wrap all that up in part five? I mean, what's going to happen with that? Well, I mean, we've all seen the trailer for part five. Yeah. Nope, and I don't think they <laughs> explain any of it. I think they just have that ghost camera gimmick and that's what they're going to go with. Yeah. You know what? I got thoughts about that. We'll save them for our, for the next review too, but that's a good segue into the conceit of the cameras and the Microsoft connect and all this that you brought it up early on, Nick, it, this is not acting for this kid because these kids are on FaceTime all the time. Anyway, well, 90% of this movie is Alex and Ben's FaceTime, you know, which I thought, well, okay, that's interesting. And then I realized something too. They made a horror movie like out of like video Skype chat recently. Right, Ron? Yes. Unfriended. And that's what I wanted to discuss. Okay. Um, I don't know if either of you have seen Unfriended. I have, uh, and I loved it. And to me, Paranormal Activity 4 ends up playing like, you know, Unfriended version, uh, you know, version 1.0, with Unfriended being like the perfected version of it. It hmm. seems like they had this idea of, oh, well, all these things have webcams built into them. Let's just follow them via webcam. But they didn't, weren't really sure what to do, how to you know, properly display that on screen or whatever. And they weren't willing to, I guess, pay for the rights to use Skype's name. So <laughs> instead of having an actual thing that looks like a webcam, she's just like staring into the camera, uh, pretending that she's using a computer. So you're talking about this new movie. I'm thinking the whole time about Halloween resurrection. Oh, wow. I did not put that in there, but, Oh my! How how dare we bring that up? To Toby, he's a he, he's a killer. He's a, <laughs> he's a, he's a, a killer, killer shock. shock. Oh my gosh! And my my thoughts on Halloween Resurrection are well documented in that series, folks. If you want to go listen to me cry for an hour about something, hey, there were no black people in this movie though at all. No one with fennel, nothing. You said, you know, she followed this kid through the system till he found, you know, landed in the richest, whitest people in Colorado's thing. It's like he went to live with JonBenet Ramsey's parents or something. You know, that's almost what I thought they were going for, for a second there. Because, the, but, well, yeah, except the, the parents are so detached from these kids. That's the amazing thing. Like, you know, Katie's sister and and her husband, they were like all up in their kids, you know, business and stuff all the time. These parents are the worst parents ever. So, I mean, they are terrible. They might as well have just been, you know, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street parents for as much as they weren't there. I, I do like how they adopted this child and then neglected them. That was pretty fun. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that great? <laughs> That's what you do, right? I mean, he's, he's being raised by his sister, essentially. You know. Now, they bring in this kid from across the street because his mother's sick. I never see them with that kid. Like, it's always Alex and Ben taking care of Robbie and uh, Wyatt when they're doing stuff together. And actually, Wyatt and Robbie seem to be pretty self-sufficient for a couple of five-year-olds. Don't you well, think, I... you know, with all the times that they've seen Robbie, like, kind of walking around on his own, maybe it's time they call, like, you know, child protective services about this because you don't just let like a five-year-old just wander the street and go I mean, watch like random soccer games at the school. I guess the, the conceit we're supposed to have on this is that Katie's whole disappearing act into the hospital is just that. It's just a ruse so that Demon Robbie can prepare Hunter for the next step of his transformation. That's what you were supposed to get from it. But I don't think you get that on the first through. And I don't even know that you get it with multiple watching. So I think I have to infer that and come up with that just because I'm talking to you guys about it. Yeah. It's a lot of, infer like I said, a lot of conceits in this movie. Yeah. yeah I just, that's, that's one thing I just can't buy either. It's just like, they've never really met this kid. They seen this kid wandering around and all of a sudden like his mom's got to go to the hospital and the parents are just like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll let him come stay with us for a little bit. I mean, mm -hmm. for parents that really don't give a shit that much about their kids, they sure give a lot of shit about a kid they never met before. 
you already talked about the laptop camera. They've got cameras everywhere in this house. Like every freaking laptop has been turned into a camera. Did Toby like go to work for Ed Snowden and the you know Verizon and the TSA or whatever and start spying on everybody? How I do thought, we get the uh, footage? Go ahead. I thought Ben did that. Is that what he did? Okay, Ben set all those up. Okay, because I know he, he was, was taping their chats, which well, is a hilarious moment. The mom's laptop too. Oh, okay. All right, this kid's a this kid's a stalker in the making if he's not already there. <laughs> so, well, I, you know, I'm, I also did find there was good humor in that whole bit when he's like, "Now look, this is just something my computer does." I'm like, "No, it doesn't. You're taping this chick to see if she falls out of her nightshirt at night. That's exactly what you're doing." <laughs> so you know, but I, I did think that was cute because she plays it off like, "Yeah, right." Let's get let's go back to the conceit of the cameras though and the connect because we were talking about that for a second and we got into talking about everybody else and, and what's going on. I, I, th- this is the one where they just basically decide we're not even going to explain to you why we have cameras on all the time anymore because you know why we have cameras on all the damn time, right? Like they're it's... they're be they've they've arrived at an age in time when that's just normal, right? And I, you know what though, I'll be honest with you, it didn't I didn't bump up against it. I just thought it was funny that this is the first movie they purposely did not explain why we have cameras on all the time. Yeah, you just got to go with it now. I mean, that's just that's the whole movie. I mean, you could be cynical and be like, yeah, it's going to continue to be like this because it's cheap to do it like this. That's why these movies only cost, you know, a couple million dollars or five or ten, whatever they are. And mm-hmm. you got to go with it. But I'm actually kind of glad that, you know, they did just finally just stop trying to explain it and just say, hey, you know why you're here. That's just what we're going to do. And I and actually I kind of like the using the connect and everything. I think, you know, they were, you know, changing it up a little bit more than what they were in the past, you know, by having just like a stationary camera or camera that's on like a act, you know, on a tripod or something that they mm-hmm. changed up the technology a little bit to match up with today's uh, age. Well, is that what, is that what a connect does by the way? Because I, I've never been around one and I've never put an infrared camera on when one was on. So I, I don't know. Connects kind of, I don't know if you, you know what a connect is. I, I know what it is. I've just never messed with one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you can do video chat on there. It's essentially for overweight people to make themselves feel good so they can, like, do workout video games. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. This is just the most shade-throwing episode of the podcast ever. I'm like, man, we gotta get, I mean, Nick gets a little cold medicine any minute. It's on. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> well, I've had cold medicine, beer, yeah. Hey, you probably, shouldn't mi- you probably shouldn't mix those things, by the way. Oh yeah, I had cold medicine and then a Red Bull, so that's and then a beer. So I'm kind of I'm all over the place right now. I'm kind of you're, kind of like the uh, your system is literally going. What in the hell are you asking me to do right now? Yeah, if I if I if I was a small guy, I'd probably be in the hospital right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean there are NFL players that rival that kind of substance, man. So that's that's pretty impressive. So. Well, okay, but the connect thing, I I want to go back to that for a second. Juiced and Shulman were the ones that came up with that fan on the tripod, or the the camera on the fan that we all thought was just or cool last time, right? I'll give them credit for going with let's take the connect and make something cool out of it. I, I'm with you. That was a nice little touch to be you know in the modern day with. And it yeah. was it was one of the. Um the scarier moments of the film is later on when we start seeing things moving in those weird green connect dots. Mm-hmm. And it's also a great way to get a little uh, marketing money from Microsoft. Exactly. Look at Not- what the connect can do. It can find ghosts. Yeah. Well, well that was know, Toby you know, moving around, right? Five's going to use, going to use a GoPro, right? That's going to be <laughs> paranormal activity five. No, I have news for you that that's coming up a little sooner. So then this far five. We need to we need to look up information on these weird demonic runes. Let's bing it. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, go- Google ain't giving money for nothing. So you know, because uh, no, what was no one no one uses Bing. Not even my grandma. No one uses it. <laughs> that again, a Microsoft thing. I think that I think you've hit on that, uh, Ron. That's probably Microsoft was pretty adamant. Well, you can use the Connect all you want, and we'll pay, but you've got to use Bing for the search engine. Because what Mac user goes to Bing anyway? Because that's what these kids are playing with is is Macs and MacBook Pros. But yeah, I do feel like that the explanation of 
this is why we have cameras everywhere isn't going to be a thing and it's not and, and that's right and i think that's the right impulse i, I mean we're kind of joking around with it and stuff but that is the right move at, at part four you you don't have to explain anymore why you know the killer is doing what he's doing it's pretty obvious right like you, you don't have to explain the big conceit of the film anymore like, and, I, and i think at this point we've just all kind of accepted hey right now i'm sitting in a room where i'm surrounded there are five different things around me at least that have some sort of camera in them to look at me uh, and they all my, and they all are on right now, just so you know, Ron. <laughs> so. Well, I hope they're enjoying this view of me and my socks. <laughs> no, I like the idea that we don't bother with that. You, you know, we call it paranormal activity the conceit, and that is true in some ways. But I think spending time just, explaining that is just a waste of time. The the problem for me is they don't spend any time explaining what's actually important. Like, there's a whole thirty minutes of this movie where. So a few things happen. Like the first fifteen minutes are is really cool. You get engaged with the kids and all this, and the freaking chandelier tries to kill Alex, and that's spooky and stuff. But then, like, just a lot of him and hawing goes around for a long time before anything of consequence happens. Nothing happens in this movie. I was almost, I was like, kind of hoping that like Bill Belichick would show up and start like video recording stuff in the background. <laughs> it's like <laughs> something happened. No one is safe. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was legal, and then you got Roger Goodell show up like, can't do this, man, can't do this. <laughs> How funny well, would that be if, like, actually, that would be, like, the greatest spin ever is, like, part five, like, Toby is played by Bill Belichick. <laughs> that would be awesome. But... Well, that that would actually go against, Toby seems to have had some bit of a personality, so I don't know that that would really work. Yeah, but they did say that Toby wears sweatshirts with the sleeves cut off. <laughs> Bill Belichick looks more like he's going to star in the sequel to Hobo with a Shotgun. Yes, yes, that's, that's the extra hobo. Well, that you know, I wrote in my notes here, like, let's talk about the drama in the house. And what I really meant was the lack of drama in the house, because freaking nothing goes on. Like, that, I'm with you, Nick, and I, I don't dislike this movie. I've watched it several times. Like I say, I, I find the characters interesting. But I wouldn't dare tell you that it's because there's a whole lot of stuff that goes down in this movie. Like, there, there really isn't. Not in my opinion. It, Rod, are, it are we missing it? Boring. It is so boring during this middle drag. And, you know, like, I might have to go back and, like, re-review part three because stuff was going on. And, you know, like, some interesting stuff, you know, when you got, like, the, you know, the particles falling and making the outline of the ghost and everything and all the stuff happening with the girls and the door shutting – I mean, like, what's, like, the big event that happens in the middle of the movie? Like, the knife disappears, the chandelier falls down. I mean, it seems almost like a step back. Like, this is kind of, like, almost, I, you know. You know what it feels one like? had more stuff, had more. Parts one actually had, like, some, you know, you can't say a lot of stuff happened in part one. But what it did, it was, like, it had a lot of tension to it. You know, like, with the uh, the cocaine or the baby powder, whatever that was on the floor. And, you know, like, even, like, going in the attic with the picture and stuff. Like, there was actually, like, slow moments, but they worked. And this one is just, like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I sat there, like, checking the time on this going, like, okay, we got 45 more minutes to go. I'm like, something's got to happen. You know, it's it just, it was, it was a slog the entire time. Well, there is eight more minutes in the unrated uh, edition than there was in the uh, theatrical version, because you're right, this one does seem a, a lot longer than the other two, and I don't know if that's because they just didn't have any good ideas for how to cram Toby into this movie, or if they just, you know, realized that they actually don't have to do anything to make people feel tense anymore because people yeah. are just go in expecting it oh i think you're right on it i don't think there was a full film here i i think they had maybe half of a movie here and they just figured out well you know we can get it to nearly an hour and a half we can stretch this out and they just went with it this feels like a script that was still in draft stage than when they started shooting it. And I don't know if that's true or not. I don't have anything to prove that. I didn't I don't have any of the behind the scenes stuff on this or whatever. But this feels like the the story that gets elongated though. It's like part two, the the middle act for me just uh, it just went on forever. But then I, the third act was so good. When this one finally decides to end, it's like somebody on the set said, Hey, you know, it's time to do the ending of the movie and then like boom, we're there. 
And I, I, and he, I've seen that extended version, and there's nothing in the third act from that. It's all in that middle. It's more of the middle. So, God, that sounds bad. I just, <laughs> I, I think that they could probably take two and four, and just make them into one big movie, and just cut out a lot of this like crap. And I mean, even this movie begins with the ending of part two, and mm-hmm. to me, it almost feels like an epilogue for part two. And that's the you know, yeah. I think this could, I think if you trim this down to a tight, like 50 minutes, you know, it'd be good, like, you know, Twilight Zone episode or something like that. But an hour and a half, hour, 35 minutes, whatever it was, it was a half hour too long. You know, they needed a, and this is, you know, I'm assuming that this came out a year after part three, right? Yeah, yeah. roughly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is where they're well, quick trying to throw stuff together just because they got to get it all for the Halloween season. But. It definitely was rushed. Yeah. The big thing that happens, I guess, that starts the the end chain of events or whatever, is that Wyatt goes to talk to the Connect one night or whatever, and then the next day, like there's he's he's pulled underneath the water by some unseen force, and when he comes out, he's in a trance, and then that night he levitates Alex in her room. So it's I guess that's the point when he starts to realize he's got powers now. And that's when Katie comes over and says she'll be ready for him when he's ready. And, you know, then everything starts to go to hell, you know, because the the what kicks it off is when Alex gets locked in the garage, you know, and in the car. And, has and you know what, though? I'll give that kid credit. She busted that window out with a golf club and hit the thing in reverse and blew right through that garage door. Like, how many garage trap movies have I seen where, like, the answer is to drive through the garage and nobody ever does it? That's true. That was that, – that, that actually, that whole scene was really cool. And mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. And I also enjoyed the fact that, for once, we have a hero who isn't, you know, brainless and who's willing to – you know, let homeowners insurance take care of something. You know, <laughs> yeah, and save their own life. Yeah, we pay these premiums for a reason, right, Dad? So, I mean, yeah. No, but you know what though? I I will give that credit. I feel like Alex is a gr- is a really good heroine in a mediocre movie. Like, are you with us on this, Ron? Like that that nothing happens for way too long in this movie. Yeah, this is definitely the one where I spent more time looking at my phone than looking at the screen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had to like put the phone away and not, you know, mess with the urge to pick it up every five minutes and flip through Twitter or see, see, you know, what the the Cheatriots were doing next or something like that because I, I definitely felt like this just went on and on forever. Well, it kind of goes back to about me taking five times to get through this. Yeah. This is where it was. It was during this middle section. And like every time I restarted, it's like, I got to go back and watch the beginning part because I don't, you know, just <laughs> wanted to watch the whole thing in one sitting. And it, it was a chore. It went on too long. And then the when it does finally end, I, I do feel like the end is kind of perfunctory. Like it just sort of happens. And then, and all these endings do seem to just sort of happen. But this one really just felt like run across the street. Come with me, Wyatt. Why aren't you talking to me? Flock, and then that's it. Like we got some demon Katie chasing her, but I I've seen that at this point now. Like I, that's that's no longer a thing that I'm waiting to see. You know, that's not what I'm here for. It's almost like you know at the end of the Saw movies where you're waiting for the music to hit and like for how like how Hello does that yeah how does yeah what's what's the twist and like how does this fit into the other ones. It's like you're waiting for all suddenly. It's like, yeah, everybody's going to get killed. It's yeah, like, but you, you know, know, you know what, though? I will say this, though, because I will defend the Saw movies because those are so intricately twined with each other. Even when they get off the rails a little bit in, like, parts five and six, I'm still invested in those. I'm still interested. I'm not sitting there wanting to check my phone every five seconds to see what the heck's happening. I, You know, I, I, I got I, – this is the first one of these films I've literally – said to myself i am so bored watching this and i feel bad about that because i like alex and ben as characters so much and i'm like man no i like these people but they're in a bad movie and it just it just kills it for me and i just think it's kind of just like with katie walking around it's just like i understand she's possessed or whatever and it's just like she's no michael myers you know she's no jason and it's just like Boy, you hit it. Like this, they are trying to, to play her like Michael Myers, though, big time, right? Like the way she's stalking around that house. I'm like, Katie must have watched some Halloween movies or something, because that's exactly what that looked like to me. And it's it's not intimidating or scary at all at this point. It's just kind of like, all right, she's going to do like a force blast or she's going to break someone's <laughs> neck. And that's what right. she does. 
It's just right. the same stuff over and over again. And it's just it's watching this movie and I was just like, man, Jay owes me like a freaking case of beer. <laughs> it's not even close to the worst thing I've ever made you watch. So let's just be honest. So I, and, uh, and I know it's not the worst. It's it's not the worst thing that we've watched, but I've seen worse movies that I had better times with. You know, well, like Terror Vision was a bad movie, but we had fun. Oh that. yeah, that no, but that movie is intended to be that way. I don't think Paranormal Activity ever sits out to be the Little Shop of Horrors on acid. You know, that, it should be. It should be. I was just like, I'm like rewriting this movie as I'm watching. I'm like, what would make this movie maybe. more fun? I'm like, if they put a GoPro on a fan, and then all of a sudden like, someone started that fan up, and everything started going like crazy fast around in circles maybe. or something. I'm like, just do something completely crazy funny in here, and it's just like. The movie, it takes itself so seriously, and it's like it needs almost like a some type of levity or something or something that's funny. Yeah, there's, just... there's no – there is a little bit of comic relief with Ben and Alex, but again, you realize what they're there for. They're going to die. I mean, they're, they're yeah. set up to die in this. So – I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, I felt like that the whole way too, and it it cuts through all of the comedy, and then eventually they just stopped doing it. Like all the cute stuff that they were doing ended really before she she had the wreck in the garage thing or whatever. But before then, it had stopped trying to be funny and doing any of the cute stuff it was doing, and then it just slogged into this you know Toby possession thing again. I thought it'd be I thought it'd be so cool like if Katie had like a demonic dog or something like that and like that dog got in the house or something it was like you know stalking or hunting like Ben. No, it I'm should just, like, be sort of adding like stuff like that where it's like they could do so much more cool stuff in this ha- movie but it's just like they just go back to the same old crap. Run. My biggest thing with it is they're completely like they don't discuss what I consider to be like the bigger story of these movies. It's something they could actually probably make a movie out of, and that's the coven of these witches. Is right. They're they're always like looking up stuff online and finding out information of it, and it's like, why don't we actually get like a movie about these freaking witches and find out like what they're about and like you know their whole backstory? I'm like, there's actually probably something very interesting within that, and we only get little tidbits of it, and it's like, ah, oh, just you know, I just want something like you know, just there's something good here. And you guys are just going off in the opposite direction. It's like, give us like more of this backstory with this coven of witches. I mean, even at the end, we see like the sorority sisters just like, (laughs) you know, it's just like. It is like they did get the local Alpha Gam chapter to show up. Oh, you know know. what it was? They they were filming it and they put out like a little like casting list. Like we need girls late 20s to late 30s. Uh, jeans and v-necks and be here at seven o'clock and that's you guys will get free pizza and that's probably what it was and, you know it's but it's like that right there would be so much more interesting if it was like somebody you know like maybe like some like country person or something living on the country and there was like all this like coven stuff going on it's just like them uncovering more and more about it as opposed to the stuff with katie which I, I think, think they, right they now, you know what though? They've done that movie, and it's called The Wicker Man, <laughs> and it hasn't I'm, been done right yet. <laughs> I was gonna say they did that movie, and it was called The Last Exorcism. Well, yeah, that one too. Yeah. So, but you but know I, what? I, I, do I don't. To, yeah. I do have to agree with Nick. I do think they really missed an opportunity <laughs> by not having more of the witch content. Yeah. And I think, especially specifically the ending, I think they really dropped the ball. Katie does not have to, you know, kill uh, Alex. Hmm. You know what she should say? Join us. Exactly. That would wouldn't that be better if if we thought Alex was going to show back up as one of these witches? You know. What about I, if they take him and then they sacrifice him or something and do something like that? You know, like something well, where the coven's like a part of this and that we kind of see a little bit of like their modus operandi. Or, or better yet, they said that where she kills Ben and that's her entrance, you know, blood in into the the gang oh, or whatever. Nice. Like that would that would have been that or better yet you want to have some real fun. What happened to the daughter from part two that came home and found her whole family dead? What if Katie had hooked back up with her and now you know she's older now she would be college age. What if she rolled back into this thing? I mean, why not? You know that again. I feel like this was a, a set of ideas and they were like, well, let's just go with it. And they didn't bake them all through and and it shows on the screen and that's that's unfortunate because I do feel like there's something here but it's just not completely all fleshed out so uh, ron i got one question for you though how have we not had a parody called paranormal captivity yet because he was talking about katie needed the dog i'm like no she needs an evil cat well because all cats are by nature evil <laughs> you know that's redundant 
This is true. Cat's eye, Nick. We we should know this, oh, right? I'll sing so, a I'll sing a pet cemetery again. That too. That's a that's another. Though that poor cat wasn't even until they buried him in the Indian burial ground. He was just a cat. So. Um, <laughs> What about Strays, that movie with Timothy Busfield where he's attacked by a colony of feral cats? Oh, wow. Better yet, how about um, uh, what is it, Sleepwalkers? The the vampires with Matt uh, Amick and, and the blonde guy that uh, him and his mother get murdered by all the cats? You know, oh, so. yeah. Or yeah. Uh, cat people. <laughs> wow. Well, you talk, you talk about overly sexualized films. There we go. So. Yeah. <laughs> Or what about what about the Howling Three, the Marsupials? See, I've never done that one, so you now have lost me. <laughs> but I, I do see a retrospective. I, I see a retrospective in our future. So, but before we get to that, guys, it's time to give final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings for Paranormal Activity Four. So, Ron and Nick, what are yours? I was a medium popcorn, but you know, it's not the good popcorn. It's like the burnt at the bottom with all the seeds and stuff in it and not even like the good burnt seeds that you can chew up that just the normal, you know, tooth breaking seeds. Um, there was a lot of stuff <laughs> I did enjoy. I did enjoy the ending. I did enjoy the beginning. I really liked the conceit of the connect and I liked how they actually used that connect. Uh, but you guys are right. The middle is really kind of a drag and it's a great place to, Go use the bathroom. Go get yourself a tall glass of water. Uh, you know, zone out for a while, and then check back in when the screaming resumes. This is like the born legacy of this yeah. series, where you got the first three, which are you know all pretty good, and this one is just—it's bad. It is really bad. I this is five times, and I add up like all the minutes that I tried getting through this movie is probably about four hours that I tried mm-hmm. watching this movie, and those are four hours I'm never gonna get back. And it's a small popcorn. This is the worst of the series. Um, as you know, I did medium popcorns for the other three. Easily a small popcorn for this one. I don't know where they can go next. I wish that they could have more fun with this movie. You know, instead of just taking itself so damn seriously, is just add a little bit of levity, a little bit of comedy into this. I'm just, I don't know where we're going next with the marked ones. Uh, it's got a cool poster. I mean, that looks pretty neat, but, uh, Man, I'm just hoping that, like, they just start saying, you know, screw it. And, like, also we're going to have, like, a early 1900s paranormal activity with, like, one of those old, like, can't crank cameras or something. I just, like, have some fun with this, guys, because you guys cannot keep on going on this direction. And I could maybe see why. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe you guys can fill me in on this. But was it always planned to be a spinoff after this one? Or was the reception on this one that bad that they decided to kind of change directions? You know, that I don't know the answer to. Uh, I thought to, they were yeah. working on the spinoff at the same time they were working on this one. Yeah, I th- that seems to be my memory of it, too. I don't think that was the intention. They were going to do it anyway. And okay. then they, they I think they held off on releasing that spinoff after this one came out and did because they wanted to. I mean, it didn't come out until January. You know, they, yeah, they which, pushed which, it out of Halloween season. So, And that I know, too, is that it wasn't even out on a, uh, it was in the dumping ground. So it was like, was this movie just like that, you know, not well received by the fan base that they just like part part four is a sticky one. Um, and we're not the only ones that have problems with it. And I, I'm in the mix here. I'll give it a medium popcorn like Ron, like a bad medium, because this is the definition of what I've always called a medium popcorn. It's just a middling film that doesn't live up to its potential it's just that annoying c plus that could have been a really strong b or even an a minus if it had just put a little bit more in there but it's just that blah c level crap and i i i medium popcorn this one and it's my least favorite of the series too even though alex may be one of my more favorite characters from all of this pile. And, and I did think the stuff with Robbie was cool but yeah that you know i i know that they pushed marked ones off uh, to do some reshoots and for a little bit after this one, and they didn't go up against in Halloween again. And I think well, I'll have to look. I don't know what else was coming out that October that they were trying to avoid, but the, I think Blumhouse was trying to not step on its own toes at that point. So because they've got they had so many things going on, that may have been when they were doing Conjuring or some of that kind of stuff, and they didn't want to get gotcha. all over that. So um, we'll look guess, and talk about that next time. So go yeah, ahead. My, my question though is with the series, do you guys feel that if they I think just like the missing element that I would really like to see in this movie and 
you know, you kind of saw it within like the original Poltergeist was paranormal investigators is mm-hmm. somehow like bringing that element into these movies I, by having people that like do that for a living or something. And they could totally just play that off of today's culture with all, you know, there's like 50, 53 different, you know, paranormal shows on can, sci-fi right now. Can I tell you why I don't think they do that? It's insidious because that is the insidious yeah. series, right, Ron? Yeah, that's, de- that's definitely the insidious bag. Um, I mean, some of the major the major characters in Insidious are uh, paranormal investigators. I mean, Lin Shay and uh, what's his name, Lewanel from Saw. Speaking yeah. of Saw, yeah, yeah. Can we just add a pinball monster from another galaxy that invades the TV? Only Hungry could make a return. <laughs> that would be awesome. And is Hungry yeah. summoned into this plane by the Lords of Salem? Exactly, and you and behind it all, Uncle Rico comes back from Idaho to fight them all again, because <laughs> his because his twin brother got whacked by Hungry the first time around. So that's make that happen. Well, you might as well if we're just gonna start throwing, you might as well like killer clowns from outer space appear, and then maybe just have William Forsythe uh, just spouting out a bunch of trailer trash stuff like he was in Hollywood. No, 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 no. Rob Zombie's not allowed to touch any of this. Okay, you want Wait, the guy, you want the Chiodo brothers to do the effects? I'm okay with that, but. <laughs> and and yeah. William Forsyth is dead now, so they'd have to use a Ouija board to contact. No, it's got to be Nicolas Cage as the ultimate like priest, evil, you know, evil conjurer person, because that would be perfect. So you get him in there, and this series is awesome. I'll come here but... and stop the demon. It's me, <laughs> Nicolas Cage. I'm going to stare at it a lot. Anyway, so, well, folks, thanks for joining us to this latest romp through Paranormal Activity 4. Of course, you can find all of our Paranormal Activity series and all of our other series that we've talked about on our website. Subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a review, let us know what you think, and join us again next time where we come back for Paranormal Activity The Marked One. Again, Ron, Nick, thanks for hanging around and playing along. We'll talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.